Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today I have David Medansky. Did I say it right, David? Yes, that's correct. From uh, Waddell, Arizona, which is probably about an hour from me on the other side of Phoenix. Uh, David, go ahead and tell everyone what you do and why you're working from home and how it's been going for you. Well, my name is David Medansky. I am known as the overweight person's best friend because I've identified nine principles that people can use to lose weight without going on a diet. And the reason I chose to work from home is it's more convenient, it's less expensive, and I really don't need to be in an office to meet with clients either through Zoom, on the phone, or in person. Um, So it's the best of both worlds. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you did before or how you ended up working from home? I know you've been around the block for a while. Yes. I was a divorce attorney up until 2005, and then I was unable to practice because I was unable to detach from my clients' problems. Their issues became my issues, and as a result, it caused me to have high blood pressure, anxiety, and depression, which led to me gaining a lot of weight. I see. So I left that, and then I became a world-class expert at playing casino craps, and I actually wrote six books on craps because that was my diversion from doing legal work and being a divorce attorney. Um, After that, in July of 2016, my doctor told me based on my lab results and being significantly overweight, I had a 95% chance for a heart attack. Hmm. So normally being in the 95 percentile is a good thing unless it's a death sentence. And with that sword hanging over my head, I chose to changed my eating habits and lifestyle. And during the next four months, I lost 50 pounds, 25% of my total body weight, improved my health. And then I started writing about my weight loss journey. So that is a significant amount of weight in a short amount of time. Yes. And what I tell people is if you want to lose weight, do not go on a diet. Diets are designed to fail. They're temporary, extreme, hard to stick with. And a lot of them are potentially harmful what you need to do is change your lifestyle and make simple adjustments. And so I go through the nine principles. Most of it is common sense. We all know what to do. We just don't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about it. I worked for Mayo Clinic for 17 years and I totally knew how to be healthy and would just actively make bad decisions. (laughs) Unfortunately, what I've researched is 60% of people in the health professional, more like nurses are overweight. In fact, in my book, uh, the second one, If Not Now, When, and then the fourth one, the new one coming out in November, I talk about an internal medicine doctor I met in Costa Rica, and his name is Randy. And Randy had told me he had lost 100 pounds because he needed a hip replacement, and his orthopedic surgeon friend would not allow him to have the surgery until he lost weight. There was just too much fat in there. And yeah. he still needed to lose another 80 pounds. And Randy was bragging how his patients were three to 400 pounds. And I just shook my head thinking, that's crazy. And I remember the quote from Robert Kiyosaki, who says, why are you taking advice from people more messed up than you? <laughs> so if you're taking advice to reduce weight or lose weight from someone who's heavier than you are, you may want to rethink that. <laughs> Ah, interesting. So you have gone from being a divorce attorney and you 
chose to leave that because it wasn't good for your health, Correct. Your mental health and everything. And then how many years did you spend uh, refining your craps game? Oh, I probably spent about uh, 20 years from when I first started. Uh, what happened was I saw an ad in the Arizona Republic sports section. It was a one by two inch ad. It said, earn a hundred thousand a year playing casino craps, call 1-800. So I did. And I went out to Vegas and the person did only two workshops a year and he charged $600 per person, cash, no credit cards, no checks. Mm -hmm. And there were a hundred people there. I could do quick math. That's $60,000. And he only <laughs> did two, one in Vegas and one in New Jersey. Well, that's $120,000. And after his expenses for, you know, paying that's two days of work, two days of work. His method was so complicated. I was more confused after his two day conference than when I went. So I started reading a lot of books and researching it. Then I started observing what I saw at the craps table and taking notes. And my psychiatrist at the time says, you need a diversion. So start writing about it. And the more I read and the more I researched, I came up with some ideas and some applying my background um, as an accounting and finance major to playing craps and relating it that way. And my first book was called Craps a Winning Strategy. And we sold over 4,000 copies. And Jerry so Patterson loved it, started promoting it. He was what they call a dice influencer. So I met some people through him. And then I thought, well, I can improve this book. And I was fortunate, um, Howard Schwartz at the Gamblers Book Club uh, took time to read it. And I spent the day out with him giving me guidance on how to improve it. The next one came out was Walk Away Craps, and people love that. And then Holy Craps, spelled W-H-O-L-L-Y, was the most comprehensive book. The first chapter is actually Sun Tzu and the Art of War and Applying to Craps. A lot of people will apply it to marketing or business concepts or sales. And from there, I, I use my knowledge as an attorney to do research for the weight loss and, and helping people improve their health. So wow. that, that's part of the journey. So it sounds like you've got six books about craps and another four books about weight loss. Is that uh, three good? books on weight loss? Okay. So three, and then the third or the fourth one is coming out in November. The third one is coming out in November. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so the, how and does the great thing is. Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup for the Souls co-author. Right. Yeah. He's endorsed and recommended it. So I was ecstatic about that. That's awesome. Now, when you are, are talking about selling 4,000 copies of a book, that is a very small niche market. So <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, go ahead and talk about how this all kind of ties together. Like you've, your journey, you've been working from home for how many years? Oh, since 2005. Yeah. Okay. And so some of that you've been writing, some of it you've been consulting. How's it going? <laughs> it, well, it's going great. I mean, I love working from home. Um, I'm fortunate that I have a private room for an office. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to keep things, you know, um, organized. I pretend like I go to the office. I make sure that I'm dressed when I come to work and, you know, appear professionally. Um, my wife works outside the house, so it's usually quiet during the day. 
The biggest thing I notice is to avoid distractions from work. Any tips on that? Because I'm always working towards improving that part of my life. Yes. Uh, actually, I learned it from Darren Hardy, uh, from Darren Daly. And, and what he suggests is block off 90 minute segments at a time and then take a break and just okay. focus on that 90 minutes on what you want to do. Turn off the emails, turn off the you know social media and just do what you need to do. And you get more done that way. Also, get it's up working? a little earlier. Oh, it's working great. Yeah. I find that if I I'm in the zone. 90 minutes is about the right amount of time. If I go longer to that, then I start getting a little fatigued or tired on mm-hmm. that specific thing. And I need a little mental break. It also gives me a opportunity to exercise at the house. So I don't need yeah. to go to the gym. Um, you can do push-ups. You can do light weights with dumbbells. You can take a milk carton, turn it upside down. And that becomes a stair stepper for you. Uh, there's just little things you can do without having to run to the gym. So I get done in about five or 10 minutes, my routine for exercising and finish when most people are still driving. So you do all of your exercise routine and how in 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, unless I go hiking, then I go for about an hour. Okay. We're yeah. We're blessed to be two miles from the white tank uh, trailhead. I haven't really been in your parts yet. So if you recommend a good place to go hiking, that's it. It's, 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 miles and miles probably about 20 or 30 different miles of uh, different hiking different trails different degrees of uh, difficulty now uh when we're recording this is still august um in arizona so do you hike year round or is it kind of like an october through april type thing i do it year round except the last couple weeks i have not been hiking with the high humidity Mm -hmm. i'm smart enough to know to be smart yeah uh you know it's just not safe uh, a lot of times and, and make sure to bring lots of water, not just yeah. one or two bottles. I usually bring a minimum of 32 ounces, sometimes 64 ounces, mm-hmm. depending on how long I'm on the trail. Uh, I'll see people out there with a little 16 ounce bottle. And I'm thinking that's not enough. You have to Mm-mm. be careful. And, right. So. And you know, they always joke, it's a dry heat in Arizona. Well, when it gets humid here, it kicks our butt. You know, 88 degrees the other day, I was like 830 in the morning and I was like <laughs> miserable where if it was 105 and less humidity, I'd probably be fine. Yeah, I, I prefer 106 or with less humidity than the yeah. 88 with the high humidity. Yes. <laughs> I can handle the, the dry heat. Anything over 106, I usually do not go out in the heat. Yeah. Do my best to get out before nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. Right. Or even 7am. I mean, honestly, I have a friend who's been getting up at 430 in the morning to go walk in. Um, and I'm like, you're smart. <laughs> I'm usually still working actually at 430 in the morning. Uh, but that's, that's how people get it done. Uh, you can exactly. tell yeah. when the water gets nice, all of a sudden everyone comes out, you know, from their homes in the mornings, you see people on bikes and walking and kids again, but Oh boy. Summer here is crazy. Um, go ahead and talk a little bit about what like a, a regular day looks for you. Do you have structure built into your day other than that, what you've already built for yourself? Like, do you, um, meet regularly with people? I know you're recording podcasts. I'm flexible. So that's one of the benefits of working from home. Um, basically I get up, you know, about six, six thirty, and take the dogs for their walk. Mm-hmm. check emails and then start doing my work, uh, get as much done as I can in, you know, the 90 minutes. And then I'll go for 
a hike, come back and do more work, unless I'm meeting some people at different places mm-hmm. or attending a networking event. Uh, okay. With COVID, there was a lot of Zoom meetings. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll be you know doing a lot of promoting, reaching out to people for the release of the forthcoming book. Um, it's called Break the Chains of Dieting. Okay. And I'm really super excited about this one. It's my best work. And I, I failed to mention, I did write three novels. Uh, two no are way. published. Yeah. And one we're working on having made into a TV or web series. So we're working on what they call Pitch Bible to present it to executives at entertainment companies. Wow. That's been an interesting process. I think I finally figured out why I, um, I heard forthcoming and I heard fourth. Like your fourth ah. book, <laughs> forthcoming, upcoming, coming soon. So you're you're spending a lot of days writing. Then in the past fifteen years, sixteen years, that's did you write anything before two thousand and five? I believe my first craft book came out in 2000, 1999, okay. 2000, and it was okay. The first book was like fifty-seven pages, and I said I can do better. And then it became mm-hmm. one hundred and twenty-seven pages, and I said I can do better. And that one came into about 160 pages. And then Holy Craps came in at about 266 pages. Uh, started working on a, a screenplay for a movie idea. And someone came into a store. I was working at part-time. It was a used bookstore. Uh, the book gallery, I'll give them a plug. It's a great little place on Indian School Road. If anybody has time to get there, it's, it's amazing. Anyways, um, one of the persons came in and says, no, you don't want to write a screenplay. You want to write a novel. And he was saying he was friends with Kevin Costner and, or his friend was, and that's how Dance with, with Wolves came about. It was initially a screenplay. Kevin Costner says, I got a thousand of these sitting on my floor in the basement, write a novel, I'll read it. So he changed it to a novel, read it, and then he made it into the movie. So I converted the screenplay into a novel. It's called Flamingo's Baby. And it's about um, Valentina Benjamin, who in 1968 learns for the first time at age 21, she's adopted. And her biological parents are Benjamin Bugsy Siegel and Virginia Hill. So it starts with an attorney showing up at her work where she's at the MGM Studios in Los Angeles in special effects. And her boss wants to be more than just a boss and the attorney shows up from Chicago and was looking for Valentina. And she's like, who wants to know? She's a little spitfire. And he says, I do. I have a package for her. And her boss Artemis says, yeah, I do too. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he delivers an envelope in it and he goes out to the parking lot and I call him grease monkey. The mechanics back then wore the overalls uh, says to the attorney, have a nice day, Mr. You know, so-and-so. And, the attorney mumbles something, gets in his car, puts in the cigarette lighters, driving outside the lot and the car. He thinks to himself, how did he know my name? And all of a sudden the car explodes. Well, Valentina and Artemis come running out. Someone starts shooting at them and they run back in. She opens the envelope and he thinks, you have something to do with that? And they're like, duh, do you think? That's the beginning of the book. And when wow. she finds out there's a letter in there with cash and pictures and says, my dear darling daughter, by the time you read this, I'll be long gone. She's thinking, I just saw my mom last week. So she goes and talks to her mom and dad and finds out that she was adopted and that was her parents. Oh my goodness. Okay. So that's um 
That's just the beginning. Yeah. Ready to be a, ready to be a movie. <laughs> how many hours a day or how many hours a week do you spend writing versus consulting and um, working with your clients as far as the weight loss stuff? It, it varies. Some weeks I don't write at all. Um, Dark Money was the third novel came out. There was no intention of writing that. What happened was I had written a book called Greatest Craps Guru with Mark Jackson. He's a former NFL wide receiver. Uh, he's the one that caught the tying touchdown pass in the drive from John Elway against Cleveland. And I thought I'm not a sports was, person. Yeah, it's fine. Some people will know who it is. Anyways, I thought Mark's name was more important than mine. I wrote about 95% of the book and we're co-authors on it. I find out no people who know anything about craps, my name's more important. Oh wow. Mark had a friend up in um Denver, Colorado, and supposed to do a podcast for the book, and whatever reason Mark wasn't there. So um his friend called me and I got on there and we started talking. And afterwards he says, Can we write a book together? And I said, Sure, what do you want to write about? He goes, I don't know. Well, we started talking, some ideas came up, and I started writing and kept going. And I said, When are you gonna contribute to this? And Marty says, You know what? I'm too busy. Just go ahead. It's your it's yours. And I said, okay. Well, when I sent it to Marty, he sent me an email right away saying, I made a big mistake, didn't I? I said, yes. <laughs> Anyways, that's how dark money came about. And um, it takes place in 1974. And it's about an NBA, uh, Edwin Goldberg, who was unable to find a job. And his girlfriend at the time was a gold digger. And she's upset and dumps him because he's not working and doesn't have money. So Edwin gets a job in a travel agent running junkets from Chicago to Las Vegas. And the junket business is legit. And in case people don't know what a junket business is, it's where you get guests to travel from Chicago for free to casinos in Las Vegas where their rooms are comp, their meals are comp. They just have to, you know, gamble. And, and most of them, you know, spend a lot of money gambling. So that's what a junket is. Anyways, it's a front for uh, Edwin's boss to steal money from the casinos. Oh. And in the meantime, Valerie, Edwin's girlfriend, meets Johnny Accardi, who's the nephew from uh, the head of the Chicago crime family, the outfit. Uh, and, and they run into each other later. And it, it gets, there's a little love triangle. There's a, a little murder in there. And, and it gets interesting. So people really like it. And I talked to some people in the industry and they think it makes great TV series. Okay. So this is like a full on series that you're in the middle of. We're working to get it uh, picked up for somebody. So we've written out the episodes and the seasons and mm -hmm. now it's just getting someone to say yes and then having them produce it. Oh, good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, same thing with break the chains of dieting. I wasn't planning on writing another book for weight loss. I was inspired by a lot of the stories I had heard that I used the, the lessons from, and there was nothing out there like that. And so I thought, well, let's put the stories in there and teach the lessons for the stories to apply to eating healthy and reducing weight. Stories and, work. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's been an interesting uh, way to do it. And, it, my writing is basically, if I get inspired, I'll write. If not, 
then I'll work on other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're using stories. Are they like almost like testimonials, like real people stories, or uh, are you changing the names or adding, combining people? No, composites? no, no. They're, 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 they're short stories, fables, and analogies. For example, okay. there's a story about the two wolves. I'm sure a lot of your audience has heard it. That there's a Cherokee leader talking to his grandson about the two wolves that are going on. There's a fight in his mind. And he talks about one being love and benevolence and peace and everyone being angry and, you know, hateful. And the son says, the grandson says, well, which wolf will win? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. And then there's the pot roast story. I'm sure you've heard of that or a variation of it where a lady's having a dinner party and she makes pot roast. And one of her guests says, can I get the recipe to this pot roast? It's great. And she goes, sure. So she writes it down, she hands it to her guests and the guest reads it over and she says, why do you cut the ends of the pot roast off? I've heard this. <laughs> yes. And, and the host says, I don't know. That's how my mom taught me. I'll call my mom. So she calls her mom and her mom says, I don't know. That's how my mom taught me. Your grandmother, call her. So she calls her grandma and the grandmother says, because when we were married, the pot I had was too small. Yeah. So the lesson <laughs> of that is we do things a certain way. We eat a certain way or certain things. Because that's how we were taught. Mm-hmm. And we're not aware of it. Yeah, I actually have an example, um, something that I've learned recently from, uh, I have, you know, three kids. And so we, my husband and I have always worn glasses since like third grade, right? And when our kids get to be about that age, there's a better chance that they're probably going to also need glasses. Well, this guy explained to me, he said that a lot of times kids will pull the book so close to their eyes. Um, because that's what they learned from their parents. They watch other people reading with their book too close and it can be like a familial habit that gets passed yeah. down. And, um, it makes sense. Cause you look at, I, I teach a lot of students in mainland China and I know the government is actively trying to help reduce the eye strain that these kids have. And part of it is because, you know, they have as a society have just kind of read a lot of books a little bit too close. And so they're actually making even devices for these kids to have on their desk to help hold it back. And um, I was kind of like flabbergasted when I learned about, you know, like just like that the kids can do because now when I watch my kids reading a book, I'm like, I wonder if they learned that from me. And yeah, food habits, like what you provide in the home and what you do as your, you know, your own definitely can get carried down. Go ahead. You can, I'm sure you have a lot to say about this. Well, that, you know, that's what I call dietary duplication. And that's from a friend, John Canada, who taught me that one. That's his little saying. It's basically, we learn how to eat from our parents. So why do you eat a pizza with certain toppings on it? Why do you go to a McDonald's over a Burger King or vice versa or Wendy's? Uh, why do you like Popeye's fried chicken over KFC or vice versa? It's because that's what your parents gave you, or maybe you learned it from a friend that you were in high school or college with that they did certain things and ate certain things. He said, oh, I'll do it that way. So we have to look at and examine why we do things a certain way to figure out how to correct it. I can see that. I guess we, we like what we know. And if as a young child, you're introduced to this and that and the other thing and, you know, and expectations for special treats and desserts after every meal or something like that. I can see that definitely 
being a tradition that turns into, you know, a lifestyle. Exactly. And that's where I teach people how to modify their eating habits and do it gradually. And the example I give is, would you like to weigh 24 to 48 pounds lighter by this time next year? And most people are like, well, yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Can you lose two to three or four pounds a month? Not a week in a month. And they're, yeah, that's doable. Okay, great. Well, if you lose on average two, three, four pounds a month consistently for 12 months in a year, you're 24 to 48 pounds lighter. The problem today is everybody wants results now. They hear the commercials on TV from the national brands, you know, lose 20, 30 pounds your first month guaranteed. That's all well and good. However, it's not sustainable. And what happens is 90% of the people regain the weight because they haven't changed their eating habits or lifestyle. And once they've lost the weight, they've set a goal, they've hit that goal, then they revert back to their old habits. Oh, so yeah. the way I explain <laughs> it, a diet is a sprint. There's a finish line. When you get done, that's it. However, a lifestyle is like running a marathon without a finish line. You just keep going. And so it's important to improve our eating habits. And what I tell people to do is focus on positive things rather than negative. So okay. instead of dwelling on what you're unable to eat, you know, the ice cream, the candy yeah. bars, the chips, the pretzels, focus on what you do enjoy, you know, an apple, a pear, cherries, you know, blueberries, whatever. And what you focus on expands. So as you're focusing on the positives, then your mind starts changing and shifting. Here's a little tidbit for the audience. 80% of our thoughts are negative. And 90% of our thoughts are repeated the next day. So imagine if you could change your negative thoughts to be positive and reverse it. 80% of your thoughts are positive as opposed to negative. It makes a big difference. So I started doing that and learning to do positive affirmations and declarations. And I've done some research and there's been books written about it by other authors. And it works. And so that's what I attempt to teach people. Because look, it's just little things. Uh, you don't have to do everything at once. Just make small improvements done consistently over time. And they become new routines, new habits, and a new mm -hmm. lifestyle. I have an example of a thing that I eat that um, I don't have spinach in my house today, but uh, I will get it as soon as the next time I go to the store. But I make a spinach smoothie and I add some banana and blueberry and coconut milk and a few things into it. Um, and that's what I would usually make myself when I was trying to be healthy or when I was trying to detox or when I was trying to lose weight and then I wouldn't eat it or drink it or whatever, when that wasn't my priority, you know, if I was stressed out about something else, I would let something go. And that would usually be it. Um, and it takes a little, you know, a few minutes, but I can usually make up enough for three or four days in a row. What I didn't realize is the magnesium and that spinach was making me feel better in more than one way. It was helping my muscles to be more relaxed and it was helping um, my headaches. Um, and it was just giving me a quick option to eat when I was going to probably make a bad decision. Let's not lie. Um, it was already there and ready. And so whenever I stopped um, having that spinach smoothie on like a regular basis, I was like, huh, I wonder my, why my mood is not as good. And I wonder why my muscles always hurt. And I didn't realize that that spinach smoothie that I was making for my diet was helping me in multiple ways. And so now I have changed my narrative in my mind about that to say, I feel better 
when I eat this, like it makes me feel better. It's like having good medicine. Like it's, or, you know, it's not just, it doesn't taste amazing, but it actually tastes pretty good considering how healthy it is. It tastes good and it makes me feel better. I should eat it. <laughs> yeah. I, I do a protein drink in the morning yeah. and I, I use a, a protein powder and then I throw in some of the hundred percent cacao for the chocolate flavor mm-hmm. and some organic uh, coconut powder uh, some matcha, um, and, uh, collagen. Yep. And I use water and I just put it in a blender bottle and shake it up and I'm good to go. It takes me about five minutes and it has all the nutrients I need for the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sometimes three or four times a week, I'll, I'll make oatmeal. However, the oatmeal I make is with steel cut oats and the rolled oats. Mm-hmm. And then I, I throw in some chopped walnuts and ground cinnamon. And after it's done cooking, I throw in uh, a tablespoon of flaxseed, ground flaxseed, and ground chia seeds. Yep. And, and it's a healthy meal. And there is a little, it's, it's carbohydrates. There's a difference between a complex carbohydrate, which is healthy for you, and a simple carbohydrate, which is unhealthy for you. Yeah. So people get confused or are not aware. Uh, they hear things, you know, avoid carbohydrates. No, complex carbohydrates are important for your body and necessary. You know, they hear things, well, avoid certain things or eat certain things. And some things are healthy and some things aren't. And everybody's different. Uh, some people enjoy drinking milk. Some don't. Some like dairy. Some don't. Some like eggs. Some don't. Some like avocados. Some don't. I'm one that likes avocados. I just cut it open, eat it with a spoon out of the shell and open a can of you know tuna and plain water, drain it, and that's a meal for me. It's boring. However, <laughs> the way I approach food is it's fuel for my body. And if you look at your body as a machine, you want to give the right fuel. And most people don't look at the body, the food for the body is for fuel or nutrition. They look at it for enjoyment, socializing, stress release, a lot of everything. However, when we're, you know, short of food, that's what we had to do to, you know, to survive. And, and that's how I look at it is, okay, this is the fuel for my body. And there's a story in the book about a thoroughbred racehorse owner I met who was in Las Vegas and telling me about his horse in the race and how he gave it the best nutrition, the best, you know, um, physical trainers to exercise it for socializing and explain, you know, how important it was to maintain it. And then he orders for lunch, a hamburger with fries and a diet Coke to wash it down and some ketchup for the fries. And I'm like, and he was overweight, probably about 80 to hundred pounds. I said, well, when was the last time you were at the doctor? He goes, Oh, I haven't been in years. I'm as healthy as a horse. I'm thinking, yeah, sure. That's, that's how we are. We treat our pets better than we treat ourselves. We treat our cars better than ourselves we take the cars in for routine maintenance but a lot of people won't go to the dentist or the doctor for preventative measures just to yeah. make sure everything i mean i was fortunate i avoided the heart attack my friends some of them haven't i have avoided having the knee replacements or the hip replacements some of my friends haven't yeah. and going back to the story about randy what was interesting is he was telling me he says when you get to my age it's not all about the money. It's about enjoying life. And I said, I understand. And he goes, what do you mean you understand? There's no way. I said, well, I'm probably older than you are. And he says, 
I'm 58. How old are you? I said, at the time, I was 63. And he just kind of shook his head, turned away. And that was the last time I saw him. Oh, so no. I, it's, it's an attitude. I, I had a classmate from high school uh, who reached out to me. I'm telling her about, you know, all the things that we're doing. And I'm planning to hike Mount Kilimanjaro next June. And I want to do it at age 90 and set the world record. Because I met Ann Lorimore, who lives in the Phoenix area. And she said at age 89. So I told her I wanted to beat her record. And my friend's thinking like, you're planning all these things to live and I'm planning on dying. She goes, I need an attitude adjustment. I said, yes, yeah. you do. And she did. She, she lost the weight because she was going to go on a cabbage soup diet. And I said, no, no, I'm going to help you. And so now instead of going on the diet every year, she's changed her lifestyle. She's lost 45 pounds. Her goal is actually 30. Mm -hmm. And she dropped an extra 15 because the body kept going. She mm -hmm. enjoys her lifestyle. She's got more energy and she feels great. So it's possible to reverse a lot of this trends. Another little tidbit for the audience. If you're over age 55, 80% of the population over age 55 is either type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic. And if you're pre-diabetic, it means you'll be a diabetic within seven years. The sad part is it's reversible and preventable. However, we accumulate all this in our bodies, and it's what Darren Hardy refers to as the compound effect. It can be both negative and positive. And that's why people who get older have more illnesses and disease. A lot of it's preventable. 72% of people in hospitals before COVID were there because of food-related issues. Wow. When we are talking about we eat for the social and the, you know, the enjoyment and the stress release, our relief, I, I can definitely identify with all of those things. And I had a health coach a few years back and she said, what you're also doing is like we said earlier is you are, you're teaching your children that food is a reward for when you do something good. And you teach yourself that food is something that you eat when you feel sad and you're teaching your children, you know, that, um, you know, that eat you know, you celebrate with food, you celebrate, you know, you, everything is real revolving around food. And she <clears throat> made me make a list of what are some of the other ways that you can celebrate? What are some of the other ways that you can relieve stress, you know, um, and that you can, you know, and I was like, you know what, I think that going for a walk by myself is, a, is a nice way for me as a busy mom, you know, with three little children to celebrate, or to relieve stress or and so um, trying to change that, like, again, that narrative that you have constantly playing in your head about food. Cause you know, generally if I feel sad or disappointed or frustrated or angry, I just want to like eat a Snickers bar. <laughs> and, like, you know, there's so That's many what other the TV ways. Commercial says. I know, they taught it to me. <laughs> no, I, I tell people cherries are a great way to relieve stress and it's great hmm. finger food because you eat it with your fingers. And you have to eat them slowly because of the pits in them. Pits, yeah. And, and so, and it's healthy. It's, it's low glycemic. Mm -hmm. uh, blueberries are incredible. You can eat a whole pint of it. It's about 120 calories. Right. And, and there's difference amazing. between, yeah, Into calories accidents. in, calories out won't work. Yeah. The reason I say that is if you have a Hershey bar, it's about 120 calories. And a can of Coke or Pepsi is about another 100 calories. Mm -hmm. But that's 220 calories. However, if you eat an apple... That's about 90 calories to 100 calories. The difference being, it takes your body 25 calories to burn digesting the apple, which has a lot of nutritional benefits. Mm 
right? It takes zero calories for that Hershey bar or that soda, which is poison to your body. Right. Uh, and there's a difference then, um, you know, you can eat a lot of blueberries, uh, whole pint, 120 calories. It's healthy for you. It's hard to eat that many at one time. So you get full on things like that. And it's, it's again, it's finger full. Um, I like to get the frozen organic blueberries or strawberries at Costco. Uh, it's inexpensive. Throw it in some plain Greek yogurt. It makes a great dessert at night mm-hmm. instead of the ice cream. Yep. So there's little things you can do. I have a question about when you lost your 50 pounds in four months, were you following a diet at that point or were you utilizing some of the healthy techniques that you use now? I was on a diet. I was on HCG, mm-hmm. uh, which is a female hormone from pregnant mm-hmm. women. I was on 550 calories a day for six weeks. What? Yeah. You, if you did 550 calories a day without the HCG, you would, burn muscle Die? instead of fat. Well, it's unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. The HCG tricks your body to burn fat instead of muscle. Okay. And so there's a difference. The problem with the HCG is people go off of it. They don't do the maintenance and then they revert. 90% of people who lose weight on the HCG gain it all back some even more. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was younger, I was always fit and trim. I was into health. I read the books by Paul and Patricia Bragg, Jack Lane, Richard Simmons, William Duffy's Sugar Blues. However, like most people, life gets in the way in between obligations with work and family and raising kids. Got lazy, stopped exercising, started going through the fast food, the McDonald's drive through the Jack in the Box, you know, throwing in a pizza at night. because it's You're making everyone easy. hungry. Yeah, well, that's what we all do. <laughs> and before I knew it, you know, the weight crept up on me. And, you know, thank God my doctor said, hey, you have two options, lose the weight or find a new doctor. You're not dying on my watch. So that right there, the light bulb went off and said, I got to do something. So I did in four months what I could have done during the previous eight years. And then I started rereading the books that I had from the 70s and 80s on health. And then I started reading the current books. And I realized a lot of the current books have a lot of inaccurate or misleading information, or a lot of them are written to promote the person's, the author's own products and programs. And so I've identified, like I said, nine must-have principles for weight loss. And I'll share those now if you want. Go for it. Okay. So the first one is drink an adequate amount of water. And when I say adequate, it could be 64 ounces as a minimum or one half of your body weight in ounces of water. Okay. And that's because 75% of the U.S. population is chronically dehydrated. Mm. 71% of the U.S. adult population is overweight. There's a correlation. Because mm. when we are thirsty, we sometimes think we're hungry and we eat yep. instead of drink water. Oh, wow. Especially here in Arizona. Exactly. The second thing is to avoid the processed and manufactured foods. The third one is to eat more holistic foods, the whole foods, the you know plants and vegetables and fruits. If you like meat, eat meat. If you like fish, eat fish. Make sure the salmon isn't farm-raised. Try to get the wild caught because there's a big difference in nutritional value. Uh, the fourth one is to eat slowly. We tend to eat very fast because we're always in a hurry. We eat at our desk in front of our computers at work, uh, in front of the TV while we're driving to go through the drive-through. So sometimes we'll put down a, a whole bag of chips or cookies and not realize it. 
So eat slowly, pay attention, eat smaller portions. What people don't realize is our food portions have been supersized without us realizing it. In the 1900s, the average size dinner plate was nine inches in diameter. Today, it's 12 inches. In restaurants, it's 13 to 15 inches. What Especially I tell people American, is, yeah. Uh, what I t- well, in Europe, the dinner plate is still nine inches. Yeah. So what I tell people is if you go to a restaurant, get it to go box right away, cut your portion in half, put half to go, and eat the other half. So now you've reduced your portion size, and you save money because you get two meals for the price of one. I'm all for that. So, uh, the other thing is, Get adequate sleep. Most of us don't get enough sleep. So it's important to get a lot of rest, at least seven to eight hours of quality sleep. What people don't realize is if you're sleep deprived, you consume an extra 500 calories a day. It takes reducing your caloric intake by 500 calories a day for a full week to lose one pound. So usually we're doing the opposite. The other thing is the daily nutritional value requirements are based on 2,000 calories a day. The average American consumes 3,600 calories a day. Oh. So we need to reduce our portion sizes, eat slower. The uh, next thing is to focus on the food, you know, like I mentioned, um, the mindless eating, the distractions. Number eight is give your body at least 12 to 14 hours of rest between eating. A lot of people refer to it as intermittent fasting. And and most people can do it if you stop eating three hours before you go to bed. Mm -hmm. So if you go to bed at 10 o'clock, stop eating at seven o'clock. And your first breakfast could be at seven, eight, nine o'clock in the morning. That's 12 to 14 hours right there. It's very doable. It's not like you're depriving yourself. The problem is most of us are snacking, watching TV at night, all the way up until the time we do go to sleep. Mm -hmm. So if you can reduce that, and the reason I say three hours before, as opposed to six o'clock or seven o'clock in the evening is everyone has different work schedules. Some people work the night shift. So the people that have that hard and fast, oh, it must be six o'clock at night or seven o'clock. How does that work for someone who's going to work? So that's why I just say three hours before you go to bed. Yes. I appreciate that because I have worked the night shift for about 13 years. And I have always had a regular or different schedule than, you know, the majority of the population. Yeah. And then the ninth principle is just uh, focus on being positive as opposed to negative and do daily affirmations or declarations, whatever is best for you. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between the two. I explained that in the book and, and those simple little things. I'm sure everyone in the audience can do that. It's not like I'm asking you to do something extreme. Yeah. Or, you know, yes, you're going to have to forego the sweets. However, I'm not a purist. I'll enjoy a piece of chocolate cake every once in a while from Cheesecake yep. Factory, a piece of pumpkin pie during, you know, Thanksgiving or special occasions. However, instead of eating that full piece of cake from Cheesecake Factory in one sitting, it'll last me four or five days. Instead okay. of taking a full slice of pie, I take a little sliver. So, Again, I eat it slowly so I can enjoy it instead of just wolfing it down. Um, when you wolf it down, it's basically just about the same as taking two bites because you only enjoy it for that same amount of time. Exactly. And so it's little things like that. It's just being aware of your eating habits and, and just making small little modifications. The biggest thing is give it time. Um, what happens is people will reach a plateau 
or they won't see results right away. So I had a client, uh, another high school classmate reached out to me and for three weeks, he was doing everything right. The scale wasn't moving and he was getting frustrated. And I said, are you exercising? He goes, yeah, I'm walking an extra five miles a day and I'm doing this, riding my bike. And I said, how are your clothes fitting? He said, they're actually loose. And people are starting to notice. They're asking if I'm losing weight. I said, well, don't go by the scale. The scale lies. Yeah. Go by your waistline, your inches. Their clothes will be more accurate. Yeah. So I started doing research about the scales. And what I learned is the body mass index is not a proper indication for an ideal weight. Uh, Dr. Oz says what your waistline should be is one half of your height. So if you're 5'8", like I am, it should be 34 inches. Okay. If you're 6 foot or 72 inches, it should be 36 or, or thinner. Uh, but that's just a, a rule of thumb. So again, the scale will fluctuate. And then three weeks later after that, the scale did start dropping for him. And then he, he noticed he was down 10 pounds. Again, give it time. And what happens is people, after a week or two, get frustrated because they're doing everything they're not seeing a drop in the scale. So some of the things I did not hear you say, and I appreciate this because this is um, kind of where I have settled is you're not counting every single calorie. You're not forcing people to exercise a certain amount of time. It's more focused on the small changes. Yes. And I tell people you can lose weight without exercise. That is a myth. Exercise is not the way to lose weight. Yeah. Exercise to stay fit, stay in shape, and for overall improved health. Uh, exercise, what I tell people is shed the weight first. You'll want to be more physically active and then start getting into an exercise routine. If you want to hire a personal trainer or start walking more, uh, hiking more, riding a bike, you know, mm -hmm. lifting light weights, whatever you enjoy. Everybody's different. Everybody has different likes and dislikes. Um, I started doing push-ups, so I built up to doing about 40 push-ups a day. And I don't do it every day. You know, it's just, you know, I started out with five and then 10 and 15. Uh, don't start out right away real quick because then you strain your muscles. It hurts for three or four days and then you stop. Mm. And the other what thing is, is you don't want to um, not eat enough calories to support your body. Um, I had a friend who at the time I was losing my weight on the HCG was losing weight too. And he was going to prove to me that I didn't need to go to the doctor and use CHCG. He was going to show me how to do it. And he would have uh, one meal a day, every other day. And the days he didn't eat, he would drink soda and water. And he lost 40 pounds and we were driving one day and he says, does your skin hang like this? And I said, no. And he goes, how come? I said, well, you were burning muscle instead of fat. I was burning fat. There's a difference. You, you were depriving yourself and weren't getting the right nutrition, nutrition and nutrients for your body. So he says, I'm going to go to the gym, start exercise. So I hired a trainer and a couple weeks later, he says, can you lift more than 15 pounds? I said, yeah, I'm lifting 50 pounds. Why? He goes, I'm having trouble lifting 15 pounds. I said, what does your trainer say? He says, I need to start eating more. I said, he says, I'm burning muscle. Instead of fat, I said, well, that's what I told you. Was, oh, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, fine. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, in the meantime, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And so uh, he's had some health issues, unfortunately. He's had the knee replacements, the hip replacements. And 
Um, he's six months younger than I am. So again, it, it's what you put into your body. hundred percent of your weight can be controlled by what you put into your body. When you are working with your clients, are some of them working from home? Like, do you have any advice that's specific to people who work from home? Yes. Uh, avoid the refrigerator. How? If you're going to get up, go get a glass of water. Um, okay. A lot of people will have a jug of water at their desk and, and just refill it. And I said, no, no, have the jug of water in the kitchen. Go to the mm -hmm. kitchen because it gets you up from your desk. So you're not yeah. sitting as long. It gets you a little movement in the body, a little physical activity. Mm -hmm. And that's important. So I'm not telling you not to do physical activity when I say don't exercise. There's a way to, you know, get some physical activity without having to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. uh, so little things like that. Um, if you're going to snack, you know, eat the healthy stuff, you know, get rid of the, the, the cookies, the pretzels, the potato chips. I was addicted to Pringles potato chips. <laughs> I, I would go through a whole canister and still want more. And what I learned is our food is scientifically engineered to be addicting. Yep. They, they want it to be, they optimize our cravings for sugar, fat, salt, and texture. Uh, Howard Moskowitz is the one that coined the term bliss point. Mm. And he worked for food manufacturers such as, you know, Campbell's soups and Prego spaghetti sauce. So all the different soups and all the different spaghetti sauces and different types of pizza, you can thank Howard Moskowitz for the variety because he started optimizing learning that people had different cravings. So this increased their bottom line, their revenue. And what I tell people today, it's not the food that you eat, that's what they've done to the food. And some of it's not even food, it's chemicals that they put together as food. So when people look at nutritional labels on a packaging, they're reading it wrong. They usually look at the calories, the grams of sugar, the protein, the fat. The one thing they fail to look at is the very fine print where it has the ingredients <laughs> to see what you're actually putting into your body. That's what I'm looking. Yeah, I mean, just, we don't read them. Yeah. I'm usually looking to avoid food dye because my kids go a little off the rails if they have um, been exposed to food dye. And so there's certain companies. Um, I, I prefer to shop when I can at Aldi and uh, Trader Joe's because they do not put artificial flavoring or artificial colors or um, some preservatives into their food that has their name brand on it, their Trader Joe's or Aldi brand. And that helps eliminate just a ton of junk just as a starting base to walk into the store um, helps. <laughs> yeah, the other thing <laughs> is you know, cheese that's processed. If you leave it out for a couple hours, you'll see it, what they call sweat. And that's because of the hydrogenated oil in there, which is mm -hmm. bad for your body. Yeah. Um, and again, there's a lot of different opinions on which oils you should have for your body. I recommend only three, avocado oil, uh, olive oil and coconut oil. Yep. Uh, I avoid the safflower, the canola. I'll look at ingredients. If it has canola oil, I just won't eat it. Okay. Uh, now, again, I'm not a purist. It, it's difficult yep. if you're out traveling or at restaurants or with friends. Sometimes you're unable to avoid things. Uh, one thing I will not eat is any of the imitation meats and chicken and fish. It's just, again, it's chemicals and more research is coming out starting to show the negative health. Mm. affects the, the consequences of eating that. And again, what happens is we don't realize that 
when we eat it, there's no immediate effect. It's over time that it starts okay. accumulating. So it's like the story of the frog and the water. How do you cook a frog? You put it in water, it's tepid, turn the temperature up, and as it gets hotter and hotter, the frog's relaxing before he knows that he's cooked. What is what we're doing to our bodies? We're putting all this toxic food in, and we're not aware of the immediate danger until it's too late. How do you eat when you're traveling? And as someone who is very traveled, you've been, you've been traveling recently. How did it go for you the last couple of weeks? It went great. Um, we went to the Maldives, my wife and I. Um, it's a little difficult. Like I said, I'm not a purist. So I ate the food from the, uh, they served it on the plane. It wasn't bad. I, I didn't eat the cookies that they gave or the snacks. Uh, I ordered water. Uh, I had a glass of red wine. Uh, so I do drink a glass of red wine every once in a while. Uh, when we got to the resort, uh, breakfast was amazing. So, you know, I had my eggs in an omelet with some, you know, mushrooms and onion. Uh, I do eat bacon. So I had a couple strips of bacon. Uh, they had uh, smoked salmon, which I like. They had um, a cucumber and spinach uh, detox drink in the morning. So I had that. They had oatmeal. So I was able to throw my it was still cut oatmeal, so I was able to throw the chopped walnuts in there, a few other little things. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I ate two meals a day, uh, just breakfast and then at dinner. And at dinner, I just, you know, had, you know, either the fish or the chicken. Or, or I had lobster risotto, which was good. So there's little things you can do. I mean, again, I'm not telling you you're not able to enjoy certain things. It was a trip. It's not like I do it every day. Yeah. It was just once in a while. Um, when we travel to Rocky Point, Mexico, uh, I will stop and, and have a breakfast sandwich that is either Carl's Jr. breakfast egg, you know, the burrito, which is steak egg and cheese, or mm -hmm. at McDonald's, I'll get the uh, uh, egg, egg and cheese McMuffin. <laughs> well, the, the egg McMuffin without the ham. Okay. Uh, and, and so there's certain things, you, it's not always easy to be a, eat as healthy as you want. Every once in a while, it, it, your body can adjust to it and, and can, um, it won't, it won't hurt you. So when you travel, which is only a couple of times a year, perhaps you will allow yourself this, but you're not going through that Carl's Jr. or Hardy's drive, drive through every day. No. And I'm not going to Starbucks every day. If I go to a Starbucks, I get a black coffee. What most people don't realize is the Grande, not the minty, but the middle size drink. Some of those drinks have as much as 50 to 75 grams of sugar. You only need, as a woman, 24 grams of sugar a day, and as a man, 36 grams. So in other words, people are getting more sugar in one drink than they need for the entire day. And some people are having two or three of those a day. Mm. Again, the average consumer will have 3,600 calories in a day where you only need less than 2000 actually ideal is between 1250 and 1700 depending if you're a female or male and depending if you're physically active or not okay so the 2000 is still a little bit on the high side if you want to reduce weight go down to about 1750 calories a day you don't have to be so methodical if you track what you eat you'll start noticing when you eat where you eat why you're eating how much you're eating what you're eating and then you can start making adjustments 
So a lot of my clients still start, you know, telling me, well, I was starting to notice I was snacking again at night watching TV. Well, they were keeping track of that. So if you don't keep track, sometimes you forget. And it doesn't have to be detailed. Uh, just little things, you know, keep track of how much water you're drinking. One of my clients said she was drinking eight bottles of water a day, and yet she was still dehydrated. And I said, something's wrong. Well, she worked on a farm and she started noticing she's finding half empty bottles. So she wasn't drinking a full bottle. She was grabbing a new one. The other one was still half full. Same thing with people who drink water with ice in it. You're not getting a full glass. The ice is half to three quarters in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. I get mine without ice. Yeah. My wife likes ice in her her water. So, okay, fine. Yeah. When I drink my room temperature water, we have a Berkey filter and it sits next to the refrigerator and it's just, you know, room temperature and I can just chug it down quickly and I consume more. I'm more likely to refill it where my kids are filling up their whole cup with ice. And then, you know, you don't, you don't finish it. You're not getting as much water. It's because yeah. it's ice and it's actually healthier. They've done research to drink room temperature. Yep. Or even warm, you know, tea is good. Coffee is good. Black coffee is good. You know? Um, so again, there are people who like to use the artificial creamers or the berry creamers for sweetening their coffee or making it taste better. Uh, start eliminating that stuff. I, I had one client, we were at a networking event. He was a type two diabetic and he had just got out of the hospital a week earlier from having issues. And he ordered a hamburger and fries and ketchup and the fries and, and artificial creamer and the coffee. And I, he said, you're a type two diabetic. He goes, yeah. I said, you're not supposed to have ketchup. He goes, why not? I said, well, it's 60% sugar. Look at the ingredients. Oh, I didn't know that. I said, are you aware what's in that artificial creamer you're just putting in your coffee? He goes, no, it's too small to read. I said, I can read it. It's sugar. It's artificial sweeteners, which are worse than regular sugar. Uh, it's got the aspartame in it. So I said, you need, and what are you eating a hamburger and fries for if you're a type 2 diabetic? That's all simple carbohydrates, not complex. There's a difference. He goes, okay. So again, <laughs> we make decisions each day. We have choices. I'm just suggesting yeah. we make healthier choices. And yeah. again, focus on what you want to eat. And he's looking at what I'm eating. And he says, okay, I can see a difference. You know, basically I had a couple of eggs that were over easy and an avocado. That was it. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to talk about food, especially as Americans, you know, it's a touchy subject. You know, we know that there are many Americans who are overweight and yet it's taboo to talk about or to bring up. And, um, you know, it makes people kind of crabby when you start bringing up, you know, weight. I know even like if my husband and I are on the same page and we both decide at the same time, we're going to make some changes and we're not going to keep these certain things around in the house at all together at the same time. It's fine. But when one of us is more eager to eat healthy than the other one, that's when people start to get crabby again, <laughs> speaking from experience. Um, and right now my husband is probably more healthy than I am. Uh, generally I, um, I let myself usually only address one major thing right now, you know, at a time. And like, sometimes it can be trying to organize or finances or, you know, something that's very stressful, putting the kids back in school was very stressful. You know, we're in the pandemic and they haven't been in school in 16 months. And I just let myself focus 
on that and wasn't thinking so much about my diet. Well, he is, and I can't get a little touchy. <laughs> Do you have any recommendations about how to talk about, you know, healthy lifestyle and losing weight even? And I know that not everyone needs to lose weight. Uh, so I'm assuming that you also talk with people about the other, you know, just eating healthy as a general rule. Correct. Cause you even though it. a person looks thin, they may be unhealthy. You don't know why they're yeah. thin, you know, maybe yeah. Yeah. Issues with medication, maybe issues with drugs, maybe issues with mm-hmm. being an alcoholic, a, a heavy smoker. There's a lot of reasons why a person may be thin. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're healthy. So I talk about healthy weight loss and healthy eating. Mm-hmm. Um, some suggestions is to not preach to the person. Um, be aware that people have different tastes and, and likes and dislikes. For example, my wife likes certain things that I won't eat. I don't make a big deal out of it. She's a size two. And oh, wow. if she wants to eat, she can eat it. It's just, you know, yeah. um, you know, she'll ask questions and, and she's will be grocery shopping. She says, I'm not supposed to have this. And I said, no, but if you want to go ahead, I'm not going to tell you not to. It just causes conflict. But if you can uh, educate a person, say, well, do you really want that ice cream? Do you really need it? Or, you know, because. Can we do something else? You know, maybe some fresh strawberries or blueberries or raspberries. What do you like? You know, um, do you like yogurt? Get the plain Greek yogurt, throw your own. Um, an apple is great. You know, a pear is great. Um, mm-hmm. I will tell people oranges are great to eat by themselves. Orange juice is the worst thing you can put in your body. The reason Cause... being it's a lot of sugar. It takes four to eight medium-sized oranges to make one glass of orange juice and it's all sugar. There's no fiber. They stripped it. And then they add chemicals, you know, the calcium or vitamin, you know, vitamins into it and fortified or they leave a little bit of the fiber in it, but it's not healthy. So that, you know, people will have a glass of orange juice and bagel with cream cheese for breakfast. and think that's healthy and snack. Uh, <laughs> so little things. I mean, my wife and I were getting arguments because she wants to have her pizza and I do my best to avoid pizza. I will have it every once in a while. Don't get me wrong. Not just every week or every month. I just, you know, every maybe two or three times a year. Yeah. Um, I love pizza. Don't get me wrong. Just, I I realize if I go back to that old eating habit, it becomes a new routine, a new habit. And then I form bad habits again. And it's easier to keep the old habits and bad habits than it is to keep healthy new habits. So you have to be aware of it. The main thing is, though, is not to preach to the person and let them, you know, do their own little thing. And we all have to have our own reasons why we want to eat healthy. I mean, for me, eight years before the light bulb went off and said, I got to do something. And for some other people, they don't care. I had a friend who asked me, he says, in your research and writing your books, how many people would rather have the consequences of poor health or even death? just so they can enjoy their food. I said, I don't know. When I started researching it, I was amazed how many people would rather keep their poor eating habits and enjoy the food products or edible products, as I refer to them, than give them up to have more energy, feel better, better health. And that's where you're looking at. It, it's not so much weight loss. It's more energy, more vitality, feeling better, looking better, and overall improved health. And when you look at it that way, it's a different way of approaching things. Yeah, I know when I'm talking to people about working from home, ergonomics comes up 
often, you know, having a, a good posture, you know, using good posture and getting up and sitting down enough and stretching and some of these different things. Sometimes I practice it. Sometimes I preach it. <laughs> um, but I guess with that, you know, I usually say ergonomics aren't sexy. Like it doesn't, that ergonomic chair isn't going to be the most, you know, sleek looking, you know, Pinterest worthy thing. Um, it doesn't look good. Um, and I wish that people made ergonomic stuff look better, but it definitely doesn't always, you know, it's kind of like having a good supportive bra. It's not going to always look the nicest, but you know, do you feel better? <laughs> Sorry. That was funny. That's um, fine. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like as far as like ergonomics don't always look sexy, but they feel like if you feel good, you feel ready for anything. Right. Exactly. And same thing with food. Like if you, you know, you're, you're going to eat that thing that's going to make you feel good for that moment, but you're not going to feel good for the rest of the day, or the rest of the week, or the rest of your life if you keep that up. Well, the other so thing I, is if you drink more water and eat healthier, you'll have more mental clarity. If you have more mental yeah. clarity, you'd be more efficient getting your work done. Mm -hmm. If you get your work done earlier, you can go out and have some fun. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, sitting there in a fog and wondering why you're not being efficient. It's the long game versus the short game. Right. It's where do you want to be five, 10 you years said from now, 20, the, 30 the marathon. Yeah. yeah. We, exactly. we look at our kids and we had kids a little later than a lot of our friends and, you know, we'll be a little older by the time they're getting ready to get married or get off to college and everything. And we're like, we want to be there. We want to be there when they get married and when they have kids and we want to play with our grandkids and our great grandchildren. We would love that. And is it worth it right now to make these changes? Yeah, it is. But, and is that's it hard? I tell people, you know, especially, you know, people my age group, they have grandkids and great grandkids. They want to be able to be able to be physically active with them, get down on the ground with them and play with yeah. them and do things with them. And, and so that's important to maintain your health for that reason. If you don't do it for mm -hmm. yourself, do it for them. And the other thing I tell people in the book is don't do it for yourself. Do it for your loved ones. Go ask people who yeah. have loved ones that have suffered these ill debilitating illnesses and diseases mm -hmm. um go ask the people you know that they you know how they feel and then you find out you're hurting people if you're not taking care of yourself so yeah. if you're not going to do it for yourself do it for your kids grandkids do it for your spouse or significant other and what i usually tell people is as an entrepreneur or a person working from home we are spending our health chasing wealth and then later we are spending our wealth chasing our health. And so if you can have a balance in there, then you can have your wealth, have your health, and then enjoy life when you're later on in years. And the example I give is my parents, you know, they wanted to save for retirement and they spent a lot of, you know, time working and not enjoying life as much as they could have. And then when they were ready to retire and travel, my dad was diagnosed with leukemia. So now, you know, they spent all this time and then they weren't able to enjoy as much as they wanted to. Uh, and so that's why I tell people is we never know. So take care of yourself because you can extend your life. And it's not just the length of the years. It's the quality of the years. Yeah. Because you, you can live up to a nice old age. However, you're just existing. If you're in yeah. a nursing home or assisted living, and you're not able to function. Now, unfortunately, my mom, she's doing great. She'll be 88 in December and she lives at home and drives and takes care of herself. And 
she's she's you know doing great so i'm i'm blessed and fortunate with that um so that's the important thing is you know being aware of that those are really good points do you have any additional last minute thoughts for people who work from home one extra tip or anything else you want to mention uh one extra tip is if you want to know what the extra weight is doing to your body get two one gallon jugs of water and carry it around for about 10 minutes in each hand and then put it down. Each jug is about seven and a half pounds. So that's about 15 pounds of extra weight. Mm-hmm. You'll notice what it's doing to your body. And that's wow. what that extra 15 or 20 pounds is doing to you. And if you have more than that, uh, you're putting a lot of, you know, undue pressure on your, your joints and everything. So, yeah. you know, little things like that. Um, again, if they want to reach out to me, they can, you know, go to the website, which is the health maestro spelled M A E S T R O.com, or they can send me an email. It's my first and last name. So David Medansky, my last name is spelled like three words, me, Dan and sky at gmail.com. So it's real simple. Um, you know, and they can look forward to getting the book and. November when it's released, November 16th, uh, they can reach out to me in a phone call. I'm happy to give out my cell phone number. It's 602-721-5218. Again, 602-721-5218. Send me an email, text message. I'm happy to talk to people and give them some suggestions. Uh, I'm not here to upsell people or persuade them to join a program. I just want people to enjoy the health that I'm enjoying and to be aware of how they can improve and to be aware of what is actually in the grocery store. Here's a little tidbit. One last stop. In the 1990s, the average grocery store had about 15,000, one five, 15,000 items on the shelf. Today, it's over 50, five zero, 50,000 items. Now, I don't know about you, April. I haven't heard about that many new fruits, berries, vegetables, or nuts being discovered in that time. And what it means, it's all this new processed and manufactured foods. If it's manufactured, it means it's not made in nature. If it's not made in nature, it's not good for you. In the 1970s, there was a commercial by Chiffon Margarine saying, with Mother Nature, and she says, it's not nice to pull Mother Nature. Just think about that because it's not nice to pull Mother Nature with the imitation edible products that we're putting that we call food into our bodies. And just from an eco standpoint, you know, it just creates that much more waste into our environment. All of these processed foods come with wrappers and, you know, bottles and jugs and um, more than they would be if you just got the whole product. It's not expensive to eat healthy. That's a misnomer. If you look at the cost of what the junk food costs versus what you can do to eat healthy. For example, pasture eggs are the best eggs, not cage-free or range-free. You want pasture eggs because that's where they forage for their own food and eat yep. the bugs and the grass and everything as opposed to um, being grain-fed or, or special feed yep. and being cooped up. Uh, it costs between 6 and $9 for a dozen eggs. And people go, oh, that's expensive. It's about 50 to 60 cents an egg. People have no qualms spending five to ten dollars on a breakfast for two eggs or even one egg for a breakfast sandwich. 
So mm -hmm. it makes no sense. Just cook at home. If you're running out of time, make some hard boiled eggs. It's in the refrigerator. It's ready to go. Um, drink more water. And, and again, mm -hmm. if you're working from home, uh, take breaks, get up, move around a little bit. Right. It's expensive. You're, if you're trying to add all of this whole food, natural, you know, pasture fed eggs on top of your eating out and your manufactured foods. Right. But if you do make the switch, it's going to even out more, right? Oh, exactly. In fact, you'll find it's less expensive to eat healthy. The other thing is if you have a heart attack, the average hospital stay will cost you $20,000 out of pocket. That's after insurance. Mm. And, and having a disease or an illness can be very, very expensive. Medications are very expensive. Uh, so it's better to spend a little bit extra money on healthier foods. It's sort of like the Fram oil commercial. You can pay me a little now to fix it right, or you can pay me a lot later when I have to correct the big problem. Uh, yeah. Uh, are you selling any kind of consulting services or doing any coaching program, or are you mostly focused on the book right now? I'm focusing on the book. Um, I, I'm not doing much coaching right now. Uh, I put everything into the book. If people just follow the book, mm -hmm. what I even tell them there is how to have an accountability partner and how to do an accountability phone call. Yeah. So there's little things they can do without hiring me. Believe me, I would love to get paid for my knowledge and expertise. However, my focus is on helping people improve their lives and improve their health. And if they can do it by reading the book, I'm happy with that. It, mm -hmm. It's not just reading the book, it's implementing and it's designed to be a reference. Uh, so I don't want it to become what we call shelf help where you read it once and put it away. Just keep referring to it because there's little tidbits in there that you pick up you may not have seen the first time. Little stories, little analogies. And buying a book is generally less expensive than paying for an ongoing coaching program anyhow. Exactly. And again, if someone wants to hire me, I'm happy for them to pay me. However, if they can save the money and use it to purchase healthier foods and do other things, the book will give them nine must-have principles that are very basic. Anybody can do it. They can do it. It's very common sense. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking to another uh, person. He was reviewing the book and he says, there's nothing new in here. I said, no, it's just, like I said, it's everything we know what to do. We just don't do it. So it's a reminder. This is what I can do and be positive about it. And again, you're not sacrificing. You're not foregoing anything. You're making a healthy choice. So if you look at it that way. One more time, what was the title of your upcoming, forthcoming book coming out in November? It's um, Break the Chains of Dieting. Now, hold up. This is a mock-up of the front cover. This is the manuscript. I don't know if people can see it or not. This if they're watching the video, clear. they can. Yeah, Break the Chains of Dieting. Okay. And yeah. then... And Dr. Uh, David Freeman, who wrote Food Sanity, wrote the foreword to it. And then Jack uh, Canfield wrote the blurb on the front of the cover and then something else that he sent to me in the email that I added in the beginning of the book. And if anyone wanted to look for something that you've written more recently, but that is um, already published, what would you recommend? Uh, just go to Amazon and put up my name, David Medansky, like three words, me, Dan and Sky, and then the books will come up. Um, it'll show if not now, when, 
which is a great book. I've got a lot of compliments on that. It has a lot of great information. Uh, the upcoming book's a little bit different um, because of the stories, which aren't about people. It's just life lessons. This, you know, little story. It starts out with the starfish story, which people have heard different versions, either a small boy or a small girl on the beach. And yep. old man says, why are you throwing the starfish back into the sea? You can't mm -hmm. save them all. Well, I saved that one. Yep. You know, so that's how I start the book is I can't save everybody. If I can change the life or improve the life and save the life of one person. Yeah. It matters to me. Uh, the airplane story. Um, mm -hmm. If you go from Los Angeles to New York or vice versa, and you're off one degree, you, you end up 150 miles. And the autopilot's correcting about 87% of the time. It's always off course and back on course. And that's how your food journey should be. You can get off course, but go back on course. Just keep correcting it. Right. Okay. That's great. So it's a lot of little stories that just are reminders that you can keep telling yourself. You don't have to listen to the testimonial of all the people, but just these little reminders you can tell yourself. Exactly. And, and okay. that's what it is. It's, it's not other success stories. There's a few in there. However, mm -hmm. their success stories doesn't mean anything to you until you become yeah. the success story. So I've used stories that have lessons in life and then apply it to healthy eating and reducing weight. Well, wonderful. I think we are good for now. Thank you so much, David. This has been David Medansky with April Malone and Yes, I Work From Home. Take care. Thanks, April.